It's my pleasure to welcome back to iHub Radio, Miss Laura James. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you, John? I'm good, thank you. So I wanted to do a check-in because it's been a while as we've been uh, off the air just a spell here, and I wanted to check in and find out how things are looking. Is there any forward momentum that you're feeling is a positive sign here in the Coachella Valley? Oh, that's a that's a rough question to start with, right? Um, you know, we we were a little disheartened with the new color coded tier system. Um, I'm probably not the first person that you've heard that from, but um, you know, there there are some good signs. We do have the Coachella Valley Economic Recovery Team. There is also a county recovery team, and both of these task forces are working hard to figure out, you know, where do we go from here? Um, you know, we're, we're sort of under this big umbrella now of what the state is really dictating that we have to do. Um, there aren't going to be variances granted, so we're trying to figure out how to, how to work with that. So um, the good news is that there are a lot of really smart people who have the absolute best interests of business on these task forces and recovery teams. So that's, that's what's happening that's positive. Laura, talk with us a little bit about, because there's a lot of people I think don't understand. They remember that we had, you know, these phase one, two, three, et cetera, um, these stages that we were in when we first started this thing and were the first time looking towards being able to reopen businesses. But now the governor or the state has put in this color-coded system and everybody hears about the dreaded purple, which seems to be where we're stuck, right? That seems to be where we're stuck. And I, I wish that we had started with a system like this from the beginning because it is more based in science. You know, you don't want to uh, keep allowing additional tiny slivers of sectors to open as we were doing there for a couple of months. You know, every week or so we were really excited because something else would get to open up just a little bit more and we were in accelerated stage two and then hyper-accelerated stage two and accelerated stage 2.3, and it was really exciting for the businesses that were being opened. However, when you do it that way, you can't figure out where spikes and in infections are coming from, right? That's just not how science works. You know, if you had a food allergy, you wouldn't stop eating everything and then start eating everything again the next day. You would add things in one by one by one and right. a few days in between new additions so you knew where the problems were being caused. So that's, you know, in, in one regard, we're under a better system now. However, it's going to keep us shut for a lot longer. Yeah. So th the deal, if I recall right, I think I read that you have to meet a certain uh, status in terms of uh, ratio of, of to so many or to every 100,000 people, there has to be not more than so many new infections, et cetera, et cetera. And it has to stay that way for a pretty long time, like three weeks or something like that. That's right. Yeah, you can't have um, any more than 8% positive tests if you want to get out of this purple category that we're in right now. And you're only allowed seven daily new cases per 100,000. And yeah, so we're now on three-week blocks. So even as I understand it, somewhere in the middle of our 21-day period, 
we have a couple of bad days, the clock resets. So this could go on for a really long time that way because you never know when you're going to have a blip in even data reporting that causes you to look like you've had a bad day. Right. I guess they're trying to scare us straight, so to speak. I, uh, but how do you, how do way. how do yeah. each one of us have a hand in controlling what other people are doing? I mean, uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of businesses that say, "Look, it's just not it's it's not fair that people can go into Walmart or into Costco. I've heard this and shop there, but they can't go into a mom and pop shop uh, and shop there, and that there's less chance with fewer people of people spreading." The, you know, the, the virus, so long as people are taking the proper steps to have a mask on or, you know, do, you know, follow social distancing guidelines and so on. And so it, it seems like the biggest and the most legitimate criticism of all this is that it's just not equitable. I, I could not agree with that more. And, you know, retail now, you are allowed to be open. So there aren't a whole lot of businesses that are completely shuttered right now, except for, you know, a a handful. I I can't go to the bar tonight after uh, I clock out and get a drink, which is sad. But, um, (laughs) you know, most retail is open, but there are these really reduced capacity restrictions, like 25%. And for retail and restaurants... Um, that's that's a really hard way to continue to pay your employees and to pay your rent, and it discourages some customers for coming. I tried to go to a store the other day, and there was a line probably 200 feet long to get in, and so I simply didn't go. So there's there's one person, me, who wasn't being economically active that day because I just couldn't hack standing out in 115 degrees for however long it would have taken me to get in the store. So these these capacity restrictions hurt in more ways than just one. Yeah. Well, I guess we're fortunate in some regards that as the year gets a little later, it'll be easier. We'll have a better situation than people in other parts of the country because the weather will be nicer here once the extreme heat is gone. But at the same time, um, you know, you're not going to have a lot of people coming here again uh, as season starts to get underway, probably because, well, for one, Canadians and Americans are not really going back and forth across the border. Uh, even people who are in other parts of the country that would come here are going to go, well, you know, but I I don't have the flexibility to do the things I love doing when I normally go down and spend the winter in the desert and, and things like that. So what is the reality of... How many businesses have have gotten the old karate chop from this thing? I mean, do you guys know at CVEP at this point, uh, is, there a, a, is there a scorecard in terms of how many businesses have permanently failed as a result of this now? There's, there's not an easy way to track that just yet um, because when businesses close – Unless it's somewhere that's pretty pretty beloved, you know. Um, I know Zobo and Meester's had their last day this week in Cathedral City, and and you know that was making a splash on social media because people were so heartbroken to see these places close. Um, but other businesses, they tend to just close their doors and they don't renew their business license and they wrote, don't renew with the state, and you might just never know. 
So we're going to have to find a way to count how many people aren't renewing. And I think that that's doable. Um, But then, you know, on the flip side, we're also seeing an uptick in business licenses in some places. And where we are beginning to look into that, we think that they are home-based businesses, people who can, um, you know, whether they're starting to do childcare in their home or, you know, turning a hobby into a, a business and selling something on Etsy or whatever. So, you know, we're hoping and praying and we are here to help people do that. Um, kind of flip that switch, right? So even as people are closing and getting out of work, we're hoping that opportunity will come to them on, on the other side of this. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, people, I guess just as, uh, you know, need is the mother of, you know, invention, um, there's also a uh, something to be said that, you know, people are going to have to be resilient and they're going to have to, you know, put their thinking caps on and, and decide, okay, I can't go back to work, but I've got to, I can't sit here and do nothing either. So what can we do that's, that is our passion or something? I mean, that would be my hope in terms of what could come out of this on the positive side. But I'm also starting to see, and, and, you know, for, in full disclosure, uh, you are a, uh, two person household when it comes to working in the business of economic development. Your significant other mm-hmm. is the is the business uh, economic development director uh, for one of the municipalities here for Cathedral City. And I know I hear from people who are in communities from La Quinta to Palm Springs who once again are talking about the most common storefront that they see is, uh, is that chain of stores called For Lease. Yeah. There's a lot of windows yeah. going empty. And you and Joe Wallace talked a lot on iHub Radio earlier this year and last year about the fact that, um, you know, as uh, something like this happens, you're going to see more people working from home and they're not necessarily going to go back to their jobs, which may still be intact, uh, in offices. And businesses are going to start to not realize we don't need to have you know, big office spaces and office parks and things like that, unless they're like in manufacturing, because they can do a lot more with people who are comfortable working from their homes. And it lowers the the overhead, I would imagine, for a lot of businesses. But we can't have cities full of empty retail and business office space either, can we? No, we can't. And it's going to have to be repurposed in some way. Um, because once you reach a, a certain saturation of these four lease signs everywhere, it becomes a community that people don't want to live in anymore. Yeah. So we need to be really proactive, finding ways, creative ways to repurpose these. And, you know, that's going to have to be in flux a little bit because we are not at a place yet where we can say, well, let's turn it into a creative arts studio because people can't come together the way that they could just, you know, six or seven months ago. So that's going to kind of have to be a little bit of a wait and see. But then we've also seen things like, you know, Amazon coming in and scooping up properties in malls like Sears stores and stuff so that they can uh, have these last mile delivery centers. So there's going to be some of that, too. But those don't create tons of jobs. Right. You know? And don't so you guys worry. a lot of interplay here. Don't you guys worry, too, though, that, 
that that could end up being the next phase of what a lot of people were critical of businesses like Walmart for going in, building these big things, killing mom and pop shops, and then they're there for a few years and then they leave and it leaves a big empty building there that that is an eyesore and a, a bruise on a community. Yeah, and people people fear it because again, it makes it a place that you don't want to so that you don't want to go take a walk amidst a bunch of Amazon warehouses, right? right? You want to go take a walk amongst shops and places that are nice to be and maybe nice to pop into and nice to look at. We are talking with Laura James, VP of Innovation at the Coachella Valley Economic Partnership. CVEP, C-V-E-P dot com is their website address. And Laura, that takes me uh, to the fact that there's been a lot of programs out there to try and help businesses uh, manage to stay afloat during these tough times and there's the PPP and there's been various things by the county and there were the um, many other uh, various grants that different organizations provided uh, is there still anything out there because I know CVEP has been very instrumental in helping to get folks through the paperwork and and to also be aware of many of these benefits that are out there uh, to help businesses stay afloat during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, we have almost tried to turn ourselves into a, a micro media outlet just for this kind of information. And, you know, right now there aren't a ton of things available. Um, the Riverside County grant is going to reopen. That's a $10,000 grant program. That's going to reopen in about two weeks on September 16th. So that's good news. Um, And there are, you know, a handful of others. There are a few loan programs available um, through the California I-Bank, which stands for the Infrastructure and Economic Development Bank. That's a loan guarantee program, though. And, you know, businesses right now, I'm strongly advising most of the ones that I talk to not to take a loan. Um, only because there is so much uncertainty. Unless it's a forgivable loan like the PPP was, we don't know how long this is going to go on. And if we stay in tier one and you're operating at 20% capacity for the next six months, you're not going to be able to, to pay that back. So I'm strongly advising people to avoid that. Just keep your eyes open for grant programs. Sign up for newsletters from your Chamber of Commerce and from from CVEP. You can do that on our website, CVEP.com. And everyone is just actively trying to push out as much information as possible on programs that are available. And, of course, we're able to help um, with just technical assistance. So if you're trying to figure out, you know, okay, I'm going to have to cut costs for the next couple of months. Where can I cut it that I can still maintain a level of service that will keep people coming in the door? Um, We can help you do those kind of of modifications to your business operations so that you can operate just a little bit more effectively and efficiently until things get back to normal. You know, I saw a story today about the airline industry that, uh, indicates that they think it's going to take them four years at this point, if mm-hmm. everything were to turn around quickly, that it would take them about four years to to get back to where they were uh, pre-COVID. And I have to imagine there's a lot of industries that probably folks feel the same if, if they feel like they could ever get back there again at all. 
you guys have been instrumental at CVEP in helping to set the vision in this valley for where things can and should be uh, were we to do and focus on a couple of key uh, issues, uh, a couple of those major key issues that, that CVEP has worked on being the importance of having a full four-year university with STEM programs here and the idea of getting the technical infrastructure in place to support high-speed bandwidth so that new enterprises would have the resources that they need to be able to actually execute on their business plans. Is that all out the window right now? Well, it's it's not out the window, but we that is one of the things that we are actively doing is trying to kind of revamp that vision because we want it to be realistic. And a lot of it, again, is sort of in flux. It depends on whether we stay purple for the next two months or three months or, you know, until the year 2021. And if if it's, you know, January or beyond that we're still operating with all of these restrictions, um, then we're going to really have to change our, our vision significantly. You know, it may be the difference between getting back to something like normal in three or four or five years and a decade. And, and that's huge. So um, there are yeah, some, there's, there's there a are lot s- of things that are up in the air right now. There are some, uh, some I guess, micro wins even today we're seeing, and we're going to talk about in this next hour here on the show, the fact that Southwest Airlines, I know that the city has worked uh, tirelessly for the last several years yeah. to try and get Southwest to serve the Palm Springs market, and apparently that's going to happen now. What do you think? I am so excited. Um, I don't know what could have made Palm Springs a better airport with the exception of getting Southwest flights here. We don't have to drive to Ontario ever again. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all the work that you and Joe and Lisa and David and everyone else, uh, in associate, uh, Augustine and, and uh, Rebecca and uh, the rest work on over there at CVEP to help keep this place somewhat glued together and involved with all the different uh, entities that you do work with to, to keep the, the outlook somewhat positive in, in the worst of circumstances and, and very positive in the best of circumstances. So uh, thank you. Thank you, John. We're doing our best. We'll talk with you soon. That's Laura James at the Coachella Valley Economic Partnership. Again, as she mentioned, you can uh, receive their newsletter. All you have to do is go to their website. It's free. It comes out every Wednesday. Uh, CVEP.com, C-V-E-P.com is the website address. And, uh, uh, you know, support them as best you can and and let the people in the your city halls wherever you live across the valley know how important it is that they support the mission of CVEP because they're working to keep business alive here in the Coachella Valley to keep and and keeping business alive of course keeps you and myself and others uh employed and able to pay our bills and and to uh have some future for our families. So I hope that you will uh, uh, be very supportive of them. Uh, Occasionally they will be in front of a city council asking for uh, support and that support uh, turns around many fold when you think about all the things that they have uh, done to help 
bring uh, industry into this area and to keep businesses running and to uh, have some sort of intelligence between how the government uh, functions and uh, when it comes to business uh, development and uh, economic development and, uh, you know, and industry itself. So please be supportive of the Coachella Valley Economic Partnership. Our thanks again to Laura James, Vice President of Innovation at CVEP for joining us today.